0: be here and glad you would uh, uh, go through the winter, uh, the storm and come and, and, and be able to worship with us today. We're glad you're able to do that. And for those of you who would live stream, we're glad you all could be with us through live stream as well. But we are uh, finishing up a series on the family. Today is the last day of that. Next uh, couple of weeks will be Christmas uh, messages, But today we're going to finish up the, the series of Building Families for His Glory. And all this year has been the series or the theme for the whole year has been For uh, His Glory. But today we're going to finish up with the title of What Will You Leave Your Family? And so I know that many of you have seen the news and were watching a lot of the things this week with the, the passing of uh, President George H.W. Bush, and there was uh, something that was posted on Twitter uh, this week that I found from the Secret Service, who continued to take care of him and watch over him uh, and his family while he was still living, of course. And they posted a video about uh, Bush's passing, and in in, in that video, it included a clip from President uh, Bush's inaugural address, which described his attitude very perfectly, so said the Secret Service. And in that clip... President Bush said these words, In our hearts we know what matters. We cannot hope only to leave our children a bigger car, a bigger bank account, Bush said. But We must hope to give them a sense of what it means to be a loyal friend, a loving parent, a citizen who leaves his home, his neighborhood and town better than he found it, Bush said. And so there is much to do, and tomorrow the work begins. I do not mistrust the future. I do not fear what is ahead, for our problems are large, but our heart is larger. I see history as a book with many pages, and each day we fill a page with acts of hopefulness and meaning. And of course, as we think about President George H.W. Bush, he certainly left a legacy as he was talked about in in numerous places this week during the funerals, as well as the commentary. And so as I was thinking about that and just watching some of those things this week as preparing for this message, is asking ourselves that we need to ask ourselves, what kind of legacy will we leave also our family? What kind of legacy will we leave? What will the pages of your life say? What kind of footprint will you leave to your family? And so as we have looked at this week, I mean rather for this whole year of For His Glory, we want to let all of who you are and all that we are to exalt and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ in and through us. And today we come to the end of that year-long theme of For His Glory, but that theme really should be the theme of our lives, that everything that we do is for His glory. Amen? Everything we do, all that we are, is for His glory. And if that is the case in us, if indeed that is true about us, that all about us is is to be for His glory, then we will certainly leave our families what is most important. Now, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture this morning in Joshua. Joshua. Joshua chapter 4, man, I love the, the the life of Joshua, the journey in which he takes from uh, from way back when he was one of the 12 spies uh, who spied out the promised land, but the 10 uh, said no, but he and Caleb said yes, but uh, they didn't go in, as you know. And then ultimately, uh, Joshua is the one who takes the place of Moses after Moses is not allowed to go into the promised land for. Uh, his sin there with with the rock. But nevertheless, we're looking here at what's taking place here in Joshua 4, where the children of Israel are getting ready to cross over into the promised land. They cross the Jordan River, and he gets them to do something. The Lord tells uh, Joshua to do something here with 12 men from the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we're going to look at that when we think about the memorial stones that we find in this passage of Scripture. Let's, Let's read Joshua 4, 1 through 24. And in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read the Word for us today. So the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter four, and it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, "Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight." Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask you in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel, Did so, just as Joshua commanded, took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, carried them over with them to a place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And then Joshua set up the twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and there they are to this day the priest who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried... And crossed over. And then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people, and the men of Reuben, men of Gad, half the tribe of Manasseh, crossed over, armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. They feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. And then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priest who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. And Joshua therefore commanded the priest, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass that when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan then returned to their place and overflowed all of its banks as before." Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. And then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, That when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did, to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of the Word of God this morning, how you speak to us through it. Lord, we pray that we would take what is read here and apply it to our hearts and lives to be the people of God that you want us to be, to live this out, knowing that we have something in which we're going to leave our family. Lord, may we leave them the memorial stones of our own lives, that the pages of our life would point to Jesus. And so, Lord, may you have your way in us, may you have your way through us, may you guide and direct all that's and done. If there are those here who are watching through live Stream or who are here today who don't know Jesus as Savior, may this be that moment where they'll say yes to the Lord. But, Father, for those of us who do, may it be a time of refreshing and renewal. But, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, if you picked up a bulletin on your way in this morning, you know that we're going to follow through uh, with this passage of Scripture, and we're going to fill in those blanks here. But the first thing is, we, as we think about what will you leave your family, the first thing that we see that we're going to leave to our family is faith to the family. And we're going to see there's some points to that here in just a moment, but the thing we're going to leave to our family, we leave faith to to our family. Now, the background, again, just kind of touching the background about this passage of Scripture is that Joshua, if you remember, he is the new leader of God's people as Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land, and now Moses has died. And so the Lord gives directions to cross the Jordan River into the promised land, and if you, it's reminiscent of, of the Red Sea crossing as we read this passage of Scripture as well. But what we find is that the the, the Lord had instructed the Joshua and the children of Israel, that the priests were to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And as they're carrying this Ark of the Covenant, when they get to the Jordan River, where they're going to cross over into the Promised Land, that as the, 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 the Jordan itself is now overflowing this time of year, overflowing its banks, and so the priests are supposed to step into the Jordan. Or step or As soon as their feet touch the Jordan, what we find in the Scripture is that the Jordan River backs up into a heap a long ways back. And cuts off the water. And they cross over the Jordan River on dry ground. And as they have crossed over and are crossing over on dry ground, the Lord tells Joshua to get 12 men, one from each tribe, uh, and have them go back into the Jordan where uh, the priests are standing in the dry riverbed and to get 12 stones that they each one of them will carry each one of those stones on their shoulder and as they take uh, take it to a place where they will lodge that night and then once they did that the priests then come up out of the uh, off the dry uh, river ground and the Jordan River then returns to its place man wouldn't you have liked to have been there to have seen this take place, the river, and then as they, they all come back onto the onto the uh, on the land out of the Jordan River, the priests come up uh, out of the Jordan River, the dry riverbed. Then that big water comes back down, and the river comes back as it was before. And with these stones, they were to place them as a memorial in the place where they lodged that night. This place called Gilgal. And so what happens is that Joshua places these stones, these 12 stones, as they come to this place called Gilgal, he places these stones, he sets them up, and this place becomes a memorial to what God has done to remind the people of what the Lord their God has done in the midst of them at the Jordan River. We say, well, why, why would they set up a memorial for that? Why would they set up a stone a, a, a memorial like that? Why stones? Well, in that day, you need to understand something. Now, this is going to be hard for you to understand, but in that day, they did not have video footage. Amen? They did not have video footage. They could not post it on their Instagram or their Facebook. They could not create a picture album. They couldn't take a picture. And the Lord knows something about us that we need to remember is that we are prone to forget. We're prone to forget. And so the Lord says, look, so that you won't forget, make sure that you set up these memorial stones to remember. So the, so- the stones are set up in this place called Gilgal, not too awful far from where the Jordan River is. And, and so this Gilgal, this place, that we-, we will call it Gilgal National Park, if you will, where the stones are. And so later in time, the idea is God is speaking this to Joshua and the children is that later in time that dads would bring their children back to this place, Gilgal National Park, where the stones are, if you will, and point to those stones, and grandparents would bring their generations back to this place, and their children would see those stones and they would say, Hey Dad, hey papa, what are those stones right there? Why are those stones stacked up over there? And then the father or the grandfather or the mother or the grandmother could point out toward where the river is... And say, ah, right over there, just beyond that, just in that direction where the Jordan River is, God did a marvelous and a miraculous work. It's right over there that we crossed over on dry ground. I dry ground. And I wish you could have seen it as the Jordan River backed up. And and these stones here, these are the very stones that were in that riverbed that was dry that we took up, that, that the 12 men took up and put and and we brought them to this place to leave here so that you would ask questions just like that and to be reminded of the very important things of God. And then you turn to your grandchild or your child and say, Would you like to know what these stones remind us of? Wouldn't you want to know? Amen? Do you want to know today? Well, good, because I'm going to tell you. All right. So these stones here remind us... As they would talk to the children or the grandchildren, remind them of certain things. Four things specifically that would remind them. And the first thing, these stones would remind them of the presence of God. It would remind them of the presence of God. In verse 7 it says here, Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were were cut off. You see, the ark, it is carried by the priest. It is a a holy place. It is a holy thing that represents God's presence, that he is with them, that he is with us. That's the, the representation of the ark. The holy place, the most holy place of the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant. It was the only place in the whole world where the atonement or payment for sins was to be made in the Old Testament. The ark of the covenant was holy. Remember later in time, you remember the story of Uzzah when they were moving the ark and how Uzzah went to steady the ark when the ox stumbled and God struck him dead because the ark was so holy, because it represents the presence of God. These stones should remind that generation of the children of Israel of the presence of God. You see, it was a reminder to them that God, the one true living God, had been with Moses. That he was with the children of Israel in Egypt, even though they did not know it. That he was with them at Exodus. And he was with them in the wilderness. And he was with them as they crossed the river uh, into the promised land. And now he is with them here as well. As a matter of fact, back into chapter 3 in verse 10, it says, Joshua says, as they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River, he says, by this you shall know, watch this, that the living God is among you, that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Going into enemy territory, as God shows what he's doing here at the Jordan River, that he is the living God is with you. They're to learn and be reminded as they see these stones that as we crossed from the wilderness through the Jordan River, the dry Jordan River bed, into the promised land, that the presence of God was with us. Beloved, listen. That is our story as well. Amen. That is our story too. Aren't there some memorial stones in your life that you need to set up to be reminded of the presence of God in your life? That place where He loved you and me even though we didn't deserve it. That place where He was seeking to bring us out of bondage. That He was there. He was calling us and leading us to follow Him out of the wilderness and into His land of abundant grace. Y'all with me this morning? Because in this passage, don't you think those who would look at those stones would certainly remember? Those people who had been there and seen those memorial stones certainly would remember the other side of the river. They certainly would remember how they were brought through into this land, Canaan land, on dry ground and that God was with them. Now what about you? What about you? Do you remember what it was like being in the wilderness of sin and how he loved you and was with you and how he led you to where you are now, living in the riches of his abundant grace? You may not have recognized his, recognized his presence then, but old friend, he was certainly there. And so the question then that I have for you this morning as we think about these memorial stones and how it's important for the children of Israel to tell the generations that came after them about how God was present with them. What stories are you telling to your children about how God has been with you? What stories are you telling to your children? Have you told that story to your children? Have you told that story about the time when you realized the presence of God and he called you to follow him? When you first felt that burden of sin and that need for a savior? Have you told that to your children and your children's children about when you were saved, when Jesus Christ came into your heart, came into your life? Or those markers that when you went through, not only after him coming into your life and, and, and calling you to himself, but also those times in your life when When you were going through the rivers and you didn't know that the river was dry. And it felt like that you were drowning. But even in the midst of that time, you recognized that you were not alone, but that God was with you. You know what I'm talking about? Amen? Amen. There are times in your life when you've recognized the very presence of God in your life, when you've gone through the very difficulties and the things that you thought you were drowning, but yet God showed up and the presence of God was real and you knew that he was there for you. Are you telling your children about those times in your life as well? Those times that were difficult, those times of tragedy, those times when we needed assurance or needed some kind of peace, that he was there for you. You know, I think about Isaiah 43 when the, when the prophet writes these words, But now, 43 verses 1 through 3. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Watch this. I have redeemed you, for I have called you by your name. And you remind that when you pass, watch, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. There have been times in all of our lives when we felt like we were going through the rivers, when we were going through the fire, and yet we also recognized that God was there with us. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. There's those times, surely there have been those times when you have sensed the living God was present in your life. Beloved, my question for you this morning is, is have you told those stories to your children? To let them know of how God has been with you and walk with you through those times the presence of God. These stones would have reminded the children of Israel of the presence of God in the midst of that time. But also they would, these stones would remind them of the power of God. The power of God. Look at verses 21 and 22 and 23 of chapter 4 again. He says, he spoke to the children of Israel. Joshua speaks to the children of Israel saying that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying that Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry ground. Watch. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you'd crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. He says in verse 23, Notice the Lord your God dried up the waters just as he did the Red Sea. So these stones are to remind you to tell your children about the presence of God, but also about the power of God. That our God is not just any old God like the rest of the nations are are worshiping him in that day. But listen, our God is the one true living God. That he is a powerful God. The same God, listen, the same God who had the power to bring the children out of bondage who were in Egypt through the Red Sea is the same God who would dry up the Jordan River bringing them into the promised land. And he is the same God who has the same miracle working power even today. I mean, just place yourself there. Wouldn't you have loved, as we, as you said a minute ago, wouldn't you have loved to have been there to have been a part of the children of Israel as they're walking across uh, the Jordan River on dry ground, hundreds of thousands? Just place yourself there, if you will. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people who are who are getting ready to come out of the wilderness into uh, the promised land. They're going over into enemy territory, and the Jordan. They come to the Jordan River. And it is just busting at the seams at this time of the year. It's overflowing the banks. They've heard from Joshua that the priests are going to go before them with the Ark of the Covenant that represents God with us. And as the priests are to step right to the edge and put their feet in the Jordan, it's going to part. And so we watch and, and, and we're following behind at a distance. The Ark of the Covenant, as it moves forward, the priests are walking along. And we watch and they see, we see them pick up their feet and step down. And all of a sudden... The Jordan parts. The priests step down into the dry riverbed. They step over into the middle and the children of Israel begin to cross over. They cross over. They keep crossing. They keep crossing. They keep crossing. The Twelve men go and get the stones. They bring them out. They come out of the Jordan River into the Promised Land. The priests now, they move again. They've been standing there waiting for everybody to cross over. Now the priests are moving. And they step, and they step, and they step, and they come up to the bank. They come on the bank. And as they step onto dry ground, they hear it. The water is coming from the Jordan. It's coming now, and it's whoosh, it's whoosh. And it's back there again, overflowing the banks. And they move on to Gilgal. Wouldn't you have loved to have seen it, amen? The power of God. Listen, who is like our God? Who is mighty like him? The stones were, listen, as they watched and, and had set up these stones, and the children and the grandchildren asked their fathers, their, their mothers, their grandparents what these stones means. they could tell them about the power of God. The stones were not there to remind the sons and grandsons about the river's depth or the, the priest's feet or any other thing, but rather to remember that it was the Lord your God who dried up the river, that they were to be in awe of the power of God. And, beloved, listen, we also are to be in awe of the power of God. Amen? Amen. You see, you stand in awe of Him because He is the all-powerful, ever-present, all-knowing God who is living, who is one who is able to make even the river obey Him. The one who makes the wind and the waves obey him. The one who has the power to bring out of bondage. The one who has defeated enemies. The one who is able to do more than we could ever ask or think. The one who gives hope and who gives new life. The one who hears our prayers, our cries, and our answers. Listen, the, this God, this God that Joshua was leaning on to, to uh, push back the Jordan River is the same God we worship today who has still power, all power, to do great and mighty things. This is the Lord Jesus for us, who is God. He is God. The question for us today as we think about the power of God is, is there some memorial stone in your life where you have certainly experienced the power of God? Maybe it was when you were born again and the lord is the one who freed you from some addiction or some bondage it is the power of god or since maybe it's or since you've come to know christ as lord and savior of life that if you've been his, that as you have been his child that there is some place where you have experienced the power of god where you've seen him do what can only be attributed to him and not to man where you've seen him heal some sickness where you've seen him answer Some prayer where you've seen Him do something in the life of someone or yourself that you thought, there's no way this I can ever see the end of this. There's no light at the end of this tunnel, and then the Lord just does it. You have seen Him do something where you said, Well, glory. Amen? God has done something here. Certainly. Surely you've experienced that He is the all-powerful God. Because, listen, nothing is impossible with Him. Because He is God, and He is the living God, the almighty God, and He is the God who is able. The Bible tells us that He is able to deliver. Think about the three Hebrew children, Daniel 3.17. The Bible says that if that's the case, as they're speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. You see, our God is able. He's able not only to deliver, he's also to make great, able to make grace abound. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, the Apostle Paul writes this, he says, Our God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Our God is able. He's able to do even exceedingly abundantly all that we could ask or think. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. You see, this is our God who is able. nothing's impossible with Him. He is also able to save to the uttermost. And Hebrews 7.25 says, therefore He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. You see, you might think somebody's outside of the possibility of ever getting saved, but the Bible says our God is able to save to the uttermost no matter who that person is. And he's also able to keep us from falling in jude 24 it says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy he is able this is our god the one true living god and certainly we have experienced him as his children to have a place where we can point to say that was the power of god and when we have those places in our minds and our hearts where well, we've experienced that, listen, that's a memorial stone for you. That's a memorial stone place. And it's a story to tell your children. The question is what you're going to leave your family. Leave faith to the family. Let them know that they can place their faith in the one who is present and the one who is powerful, powerful God. The memorial stones would remind them of the presence of God, the power of God. Thirdly, the stones would remind them of the provision of God. In verse 23, again, the fathers could tell their children that the Lord your God dried up the river until we had crossed over, the Bible says. So what happens is that he had provided what they needed at that very moment. He provided the way from one side of the river. Listen, he provided from one side of the river to the other side of the river, even when it did not seem possible, even logical. So if you had been, see, we're on this side of the river, and we're looking back as to what God had done. But if you'd been on that side of the river, and Joshua said, oh, by the way, when the priests touch their feet to the water, it's going to part, and we're going to walk through. That doesn't sound very logical to you, does it? But that's exactly what God did. That he provided the way even though it didn't seem possible or even logical. He is the God who provides... He is the one who provides what we need. He is the one who provided what they needed in Moses, which was a deliverer. He is the one who provided the way out of bondage through the Passover. He's the one who provided the way through the Red Sea. He's the one who provided guidance with a fire by night and a cloud by day. He's the one who provided manna every morning and even water from a rock. I'm here to tell you, he's the one who provided victory over their enemies. And I'm here to tell you that he is the same God today. That Jesus is our provider. That he is the one who provided our deliverance. He is the one who provided our freedom from bondage. Come on now. He is the one who has provided the way. He is the one who provides guidance. He is the one who provides for all of our needs. He is the one who provides uh, our healing. He's the one who provides life to those who are as good as dead, indeed are dead, and trespasses and sins. And he is the one who provides victory over the enemy. Certainly there's places in our lives where we have these memorial stones of God's provision in our lives. Is there some spiritual marker in your life where you can point to and say, Yes, the Lord has provided. The Lord provided for me guidance. Or the Lord provided for me wisdom. Or the Lord provided for me finances. or The Lord provided for me some healing. Or the Lord provided for me some freedom or life or protection or some victory. Surely you have something in your life. Amen? Well, you can recognize the provision of God. The question is have you told those stories to your children? Have you told them to your family? What will you leave your children? What memorial stones do you have? Don't, don't tell me that you've not experienced the presence of God. Don't tell me that you've not experienced the power of God. Don't tell me that you've not experienced the provision of God as his child. Pass down your faith to your children. And then, fourthly, these memorial stones remind them of the of the presence. It would have reminded them of the presence of God, what He had done at the Jordan River, the power of God, and the provision of God. But also, as we look at these stones and we look at what God has done, they remind us of something. They remind us of the providence of God. Now, let me explain that. Look at verse ten, uh, here in chapter four. It says, "So the priest who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished." that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people heard and crossed over. Everything was finished. They moved on. Verse 17, 18. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant, the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now Listen. As the children of Israel were crossing over into Canaan, there's no way that they could have known all that we know today about what God was doing on this journey for them. They could not have known all that was ahead for them. They could not have known all that was yet before them, nor could they have known all that was, he was doing right at that very moment. You see, because as we look at what took place here, we can look back and see this story and see the providence of God in that His plan was absolutely perfect. What are you talking about? Because as you look at this passage of Scripture, we can see how God in His what He's doing here at the Jordan is pointing directly to Jesus Christ. As we look at what took place here, we can see Jesus in so many ways and how this points to him keep in mind that the ark itself the ark of the covenant represents god with us and who is god with us but emmanuel jesus amen and then we see this back in chapter 3 verse 16 It tells us this in back and in, in chapter 3 verse 16 just one chapter before that, as they come to the, the banks of the river, they touch, the, the priest touched the, the river water, verse sixteen that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam or Adam, the city that is beside zeratan, and so the waters went, that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the salt sea failed, and they were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite of Jericho you know it 's interesting because Adam or Adam, the city of Adam, was 18 to 20 miles away from where they are. You have to wonder why in the world, why did the waters go all the way back to the city of Adam? The Bible also tells us here that the waters were cut off at the Salt Sea, or which we, another name for that is the Dead Sea, which represents death. And so these aspects of the story, that it goes all the way back, that, that when the, the water stands up in the heap, it goes back to the city of Adam, all the way down to the Salty of the Dead Sea. You know, it has to be important or the Lord wouldn't have had it in the story. And so what we see here is that the ark, God with us, comes into the river. The way is made across the river all the way back to Adam. And he's cut off the Dead Sea, which represents death, so that they may have a new life and live in a land of abundance. Now let me just ask you, who has done that but Jesus? Amen? Jesus has cut off the river of death all the way back to Adam so that we may have life and live in his abundant grace. And then once they step now onto the shores of Canaan... And the last Israelites have made it over. Then that wall of water from 18 to 20 miles away comes back, returns to its place, overflows its banks as before, because now there's no turning back. The Lord finished what he started. The plan is com- completed. And, but then also we see this in verse 19. Look at verse 19. This is interesting as well. It tells us that when the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Now, again, we say it's in there because it's important, right? Well, it's interesting because the 10th day of the first month, that very day, is the day that God's people would be preparing the lamb for the Passover. And so, this is the feast, of course, the Passover is to remind God's people about the exodus from Egypt. Do you think that it was a coincidence? That it just happens to correspond to that very day. No. It's the providence of God as they're reminded of what God had done before. But now for us, it shows us what God would do in and through his son Jesus, who's the perfect Passover lamb who was sacrificed for our sins. There's no way that the children of Israel could have seen what we see here now in this passage of Scripture. That God had a plan and that God's plan was his son was coming. And because His Son came, God provided the way from the wilderness to the land of abundant grace by God with us, who's the Lamb of God, who'd be sacrificed for our sins once and for all. That is the providence of God. Amen? Amen. And just as the children of Israel, listen, just as they could not have known the perfect plan of God at that moment, listen, there are times, there are many times in our lives as believers where we can't understand or know the plan of God either. Amen? We have no idea what God is doing, but this is what we can know, is that He is doing something, and that He is at work, and that we can trust Him and trust His plan. Just as the children of Israel could not have known the perfect plan, we know that He has a plan. Maybe there were times we do not understand until we come through the rivers of life and look back. But know that we can trust that those times are spiritual markers. Where when we couldn't understand it but then revealed God revealed what he was doing in the process. Those are very important times to tell our children. Because listen, they're going to have times in their own lives where they're not going to understand what God is doing. And they need to have heard your story of your faith of what God has done in your life when you also came through the times when you're going through the river and you couldn't understand it then, then, but when you look back, wow, what God has done. Amen? We need to tell those stories to our children, to our grandchildren, to our families. What will you leave your family? Faith to the family. Telling them of the presence, the power, the provision, and the providence of God in your life. And then the second point, and I promise this is way shorter than the first one, all right? The second point is that we're also to leave our family, not only faith to the family, but a witness to the world. Verse 24 says this, That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord that it is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So these stones not only were to remind the children of Israel uh, to pass down this faith to their family, but also so that all the peoples of the earth would know of what a great God we serve. Because of his power, his presence, his provision, his providence experienced by his people, chapter 5, verse 1 tells us that the hearts of the kings of the enemy territory, they melted because they knew that the God of Israel was real, the God of Israel was true, that the God of Israel was powerful, that the God of Israel was alive. And so as we think about that and the impact that it had on the world around them, the question for us is, is, does the world around you know that the God you serve is real? Does the world around you know that the God that you serve is true, that he's powerful, and that he is alive? Do they see, it, see that in you, in your life? How are they to know if you don't tell them? How are they to hear if we keep it to ourselves? But let our family see within us a witness that points others to Jesus as well. Because you have stories. You all have stories to tell your co-workers and your neighbors and the people of the market, of the spiritual markers and the memorial stones of His goodness and His grace to save you. So let us tell them of His presence to guide us. Let us tell them of His power to save us. Let us tell them of His provision to give us hope. And let us tell them of His providential plan for them. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He's redeemed you? Say so. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 says that if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Tell people what God has done in your life, how he saved you, how he's done these marvelous things in and through you. Our God is real. He is true, he's powerful, and he is alive. Let's let the world know it. May you fill the pages Listen, may you fill the pages of your days with a life that loves the Lord and tells your family and others of his greatness, his goodness, and his grace in your life. What will you leave your family? Be intentional to leave the awe of God, not articles. To leave the wonder of God, not wealth. To be intentional to leave stories, not stuff. To be intentional to leave testimonies, not treasure. To be intentional to leave examples of grace and godliness, godliness, not earthly goods. And be intentional to leave lives that love the Lord and love their family, not labors that led to what does not last. Be intentional to tell the stories to your families of what God has done. Two things to do, real quick and we're done. Love, number one, love and live for Jesus. Know what he has done for you and that he's came to give you hope, to provide the way for your salvation. And you can come to know him because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. You can come to know him as the Lord and Savior of your life if you trust him by faith. It's a step of faith. We are all sinners. We recognize we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We turn from our sin, we turn to Jesus Christ, which is in humble repentance. We embrace believing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross for us and rose again bodily from the grave, and we profess Him to be the, the Lord and Savior of life. And so as we do that, that's a step of faith, trusting Him by faith to save us. If you've never done that, you can take that step today. And as you love Him, you live for Him daily. And as we love and live for the Lord Jesus in front of our children, telling them the stories, we are to share it as well. That's the second thing to do, share it. Share your stories with your family. Now, I'm going to give you something today to help you to share that story. If you're, if you're watching through live stream, live stream, you'll just have to come by and get one later this week. But what I have here for every family, there's one, one of these little rocks here, little black stone. So it's, it's each of the three main doors will be an usher as you leave today. Each, each family gets one of these little stones to take home and use it, set it out on the table. When you go to have dinner today or breakfast in the morning, just set it out on the table. And as you do, begin to tell the stories of what this stone means. It's a reminder of you, of, for you as to what God has done in your life. And tell some of those stories. Pass it around to your spouse. Maybe your children have stories to tell as well of the, the presence of God, the power of God, the provision of God, the providence of God in your life. And how you've experienced that, and you can share that with your family. Kids, I encourage you to ask your parents about the stone, all right? What memorial stones do you have in your life, Mom and Dad? Tell me about the stone. And if you just, your kids aren't with you today, I want you to take the stone, I want you to just put it on your table and wait for them to ask, because they're going to ask, what does that mean, right? What's it for? And you tell them the story. If you're watching by live stream, kids ask the question. Our spouses, recall those stories with each other. Tell those stories again. Tell it to each other and praise God for who he is and what he's done. And then continue to leave that legacy of faith for your family and a witness to the world. Let's pray. Father. We thank you for the word this morning that you've guided us and directed us. We pray that you'd be with us now as we, come to this past, as we have come to this past scripture that you will now help us to apply it to our hearts and lives as we live it out and tell those stories to our family. What a greater time than to be in our homes in the snow, to have something to do to begin to tell them the stories about what you've done in their lives. Father, I pray. That you will give us the wisdom, give us guidance, and Lord help us to pass down those legacies to the to our children and our grandchildren of your goodness, your greatness, and your grace. We praise you for it in Jesus' name, Amen. We're gonna be here at the front. Our pastors. Are-